Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Survivor Series, post-Survivor uh, Series SmackDown. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Nick Hausman, who's very frustrated this morning. What are you talking about, Glenn? I'm, li- I'm absolutely having a great morning, Glenn, here in beautiful San Francisco, California. Tech capital of the world. You can't get your goddamn internet to work. Look, you know, I went and I called Zuckerberg. And I said, Zuck, figure this out for me. I got to get on the Wick podcast. And he put it through. He's a man of many means. Well, there you go. Uh, Justin Labar with us. Justin Labar celebrating his one-year anniversary of turning down a job with the WWE. Well, it wasn't a full job. It was a, a freelance work. But uh, yeah, but a lot, a lot of other factors to it. It's weird. I realized I was a year ago today or a year ago yesterday. No, I saw the tweet. And, of course, inquiring minds. Everybody's thinking, what did Justin Labar turn? Freelance work. They're like, we don't really need to pay people full time to ruin our programming. We could do it freelance and not give them benefits. Yeah, no, it was just, it was some, it was freelance opportunity. It was interesting. It was something that probably years ago I would have not turned down, but uh, it was weird the way it came about. Um, and I, I had it on my calendar because it is birthday and holiday week for me. So I remember it really well. And it was one of those uh, reminiscing yesterday's, but it was, as I said in the tweet, I shared it just to, as a reminder to people, like make your own path, own, you know, own you, own you. Cause it was something that I never thought I would do, but. I'm not having as nearly the exciting morning that you guys are, though, from the sounds yeah. of it. Well, I, I don't. I'm not having an exciting morning, Justin. First of all, were you gonna be? <laughs> were you gonna be Peter Rosenberg? Were you gonna be doing the panels? Was I gonna be Peter Rosenberg? No. Oh, I know. Like see that. Nobody can be Peter Rosenberg. It, nobody can be Peter Rosenberg. I really have to admit that yes, I am frustrated because of the tech, and I'm I'm coming down now. But this. Phone in my room wouldn't turn off, and moments before we went live, I literally ripped a cord out of the back of a phone and threw the phone into a bag across the room. So you know, well, we're having a good time. I'm energized. I You're wish, I wish that now. was. I wish everybody could have seen that. That was. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, SmackDown, right? Isn't that what we're here to talk about? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um... Do you want to talk about my? I've had three tech people here this morning. Do you want to? Do we want to talk about that? No. I don't, I don't know. know if the Wink podcast can handle that kind of excitement, Nick. I know. It's a lot. Day so. before Thanksgiving. I mean, come on. Let people keep some energy. Uh, SmackDown last night, post-Survivor Series. Good Lord. <sighs> this should have been a hot show last night. And there were some hot elements to it, given that Survivor Series SmackDown got shut out completely. Uh, but Daniel Bryan and Charlotte had the two most talked about matches of the night. I think their segments last night definitely were interesting in the sense they kept you know, a little bit of that momentum going, but I don't know, Justin Labar, did you expect more from SmackDown last night, the the SmackDown the week of Thanksgiving? 
Yeah, I did. Just because there's so much. I mean, yeah, I know it's a holiday week, but you're, you're coming off Survivor Series. There's so much that's going on. I mean, you know, the, the focal point of what's going on in WWE uh, is from SmackDown with, with, with Daniel Bryan as champion now, um, having the match you have with Brock Lesnar and, of course, the whole Becky Lynch situation. And SmackDown was just bad. I mean, I, I really, I, I don't, I, I can't recall um, a SmackDown that I've been more unenthused to talk about. Hmm. See, I would say uh, almost more. I can't, I can't recall SmackDown. I've been more disappointed by only because the stakes were so high after Survivor Series. Nick. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of stuff that didn't really click on all, all cylinders last night. Um, there were a couple things I didn't dislike, um, which, I mean, I know we're going to go um, point by point here in just a moment. But overall, yeah, and they do this a lot with the holidays. You know, I'm really kind of surprised they did something like a trick or feast fight on the – or the, the, they called it the Thanksgiving feast fight on the yeah. heels of the trick or street fight, which was just so not long ago and involved many of the same players. I mean – it really felt like a lack of creativity that led to like that kind of decision and a couple others on the show. Yeah. So we opened up with Charlotte out there in the ring, uh, explaining a little bit of her actions from Sunday again, saying, you know, she's fought with Becky alongside Becky. She was fighting for Becky on Sunday. Charlotte came out, uh, said that, or pardon me, a page came out, said that while Charlotte's viciousness in attacking Ronda was one thing, she laid her hands on five WWE officials and you do not do that. So she finds Charlotte a hundred thousand dollars, which is kind of a weird wrinkle in the story. Uh, and then they were interrupted by the Iconics, who essentially said Charlotte should give the hundred thousand dollars to them. And uh, then Charlotte ended up wrestling Billy Kay, uh, beating her handily, and then challenging Peyton Royce for a match that uh, didn't really get going before Charlotte won by DQ. So two wins for Charlotte, a uh, big speech explaining her motivation, and she owned the first you know, 30, 35 minutes of the show. Justin, did you like this spin on the Charlotte character and where they're going with this? Uh, I didn't love it, no. I, I, I kind of feel like... Um... I kind of felt like, okay, we have Becky who's out for an unknown amount of time until she gets cleared from her injuries. Um, it kind of felt like it kind of felt like Charlotte trying to play Becky and like what's made Becky so successful in this last, you know, six months, five, six months. It felt like it was Charlotte. It felt like they were just trying to give so tell Charlotte, okay, go out and do what Becky does. That's yeah, what it felt like. Bootleg Becky, as the kids would say. Yeah. Uh, I don't really necessarily mind that as much. I think it's great that you pull on that kind of uh, character trait from someone like Becky. And I don't know that it's necessarily like trying to be Becky, but I do think that there's something to more gray area characters. You know, I think there's something to, you know, good guys or people that people like starting to do bad things that people like. It kind of reminds me attitude era ish. And when you see Charlotte and Becky eventually get back together and Charlotte has this edge and Becky has retained her edge. I'm very interested to see what that dynamic looks like because I don't know that Charlotte is necessarily trying to be Becky. Charlotte had already been driven to a very dark place before this. She had that same scowl on her face last week when Becky picked her to go take on Ronda Rousey. I just think we've got a darker, edgier Charlotte Flair character and that part I'm okay with, you know, I think it's great to have more three dimensional characters like that in the women's division. And um, I honestly didn't, I didn't just, I, I know some people didn't like some of the stuff she said in the promo, the way it was scripted, but I thought the edge there, the, the presence, I was a big fan of that. I don't think they would do this, but I liked what I saw last night 
when she wanted that additional match when she beat Billy and then she wanted Peyton. She almost had this sort of fervor to her. Um, I described it on Twitter. I could see them doing a storyline where it's like a Walter White type thing where she just has to keep going and keep beating people. She has to prove something. Uh, it becomes almost manic, like that episode of Saved by the uh, Saved by the Bell with Jesse and the caffeine pills. And then that's Charlotte's downfall is that she like is too competitive and wants too many fights. She has too much to prove because she can't reconcile the issues within herself. That was deep. Yeah. I, I, like, I, to, I like to say about the Bell reference, though. Yeah, man. I, I also was like with you there. And then you brought up Jesse. And then I was like seeing her like freaking out with the pills in the hallway. I don't really know how that ties fully in, you know? No, because Charlotte had that sort of manic energy last night when she was like, come on, bring on another one. You know, let's do it. Well, but that's the thing is, you know, Charlotte's been so, you know, looked over and lost here because she lost to Becky, right? She was going yeah. into that Ronda match, you know, with little momentum, in my opinion. You know, a Charlotte versus Ronda match would have been compelling if Charlotte was a hot character and not somebody who had just bent over backwards to make somebody look fantastic, which she had just done for Becky. Charlotte needed to find a way to keep herself competitive in that women's division. I thought what she did at Survivor Series by laying out Ronda Rousey was a great move to keep some fire on her to show that she still has some aggressive energy to her. She didn't lay over and lay down and take the loss. And here we have her still on edge, like she's trying to prove something because she is, because she lost for so long. And that's why you got a heated, more hot Charlotte character that wants to take on two people at a time. There is an edge to there. I, I think it's intended to be that way. I, again, I know that a lot of people ragged on this for whatever reason, but I genuinely did not have a huge issue with the first half hour of SmackDown. Yeah, I think it was just uh, people were disappointed, honestly, that Becky wasn't there, right? Yeah, and Becky, Becky's not there. So we have the players we have right now, and you take a character like Charlotte, who's beaten, broken, is lost repeatedly. How is a character going to act like that in that position while still trying to assert dominance? And I think that's exactly what we saw last night on SmackDown. I, I think Becky not being there is a big factor. I, you know, really, if we look at it fair, to, to be fair, you know, obviously, I, at least I, I think so. I think Sunday at Survivor Series with Charlotte and um, Ronda was just phenomenal. You know, a hell of a finish and, and that that whole just going crazy. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin's praising it. I think really to follow that up, I think so. We're, we're all waiting to see. Okay, what is Charlotte going to do? Are we going to see Becky? I think you know that was a big, you know, that's a big thing to look forward to for SmackDown. And I think. With, with Becky not being there, I'm not sure what Charlotte could have done. For me, at least in my taste, you know, that it wouldn't have been disappointing. You know, she tries to be more ed- you know, edgier, as we're talking about. To me, it just came off as uh, too much of her doing Becky without Becky being there. I don't know. I, I think I think basically just Sunday was so good, it was just tough to follow. Unless you had Becky there, I think it would be – unless Becky was there, unless Ronda comes over to smack, I think it would have been – I think any which way, I think it was going to be hard to follow that performance Sunday night because it was just so off-the-wall aggressive. Yeah. Yep, uh, we got the Miz TV last night. Miz having Shane McMahon as a guest coming out there and uh, trying to ask him about the World Cup, best in the world. Shane won that at the Crown Jewel. Uh, Miz finally asked Shane if he'll team up and be his new tag team partner and uh, the co-besties, the best team in the world. Ah, uh, Alas, that did not happen. Uh, instead, Shane called out two enhancement talents, the Bryant brothers. Um, no, I thought Miz called him out, right? Because oh, was Miz, like, that's it. right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Miz called him out. I apologize. Uh, and bef- before we get to the two enhancement yeah. talents, can we just talk about how Shane McMahon and like people are confused by heel Shane McMahon? Like, I yeah. think people people want to still like Shane, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he came off weird last night. He came across a little apologetic, a little smug. 
but I, I don't get where the storyline's going. I mean, Justin, do you understand this at all? Not at all. This is, this is uh, you know, usually when a McMahon is heel or face, it's pretty clear cut. And usually it's more clear cut that they're heel. This is bizarre. Uh, you know, and like, I don't get anything from the past six weeks. I mean, like, so it's a big deal about the World Cup. Um, he's going to fire whoever loses the World Cup. Shane ends up w- winning the World Cup. And it's all about Raw versus SmackDown. SmackDown gets swept. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what Shane is. Spo- I, what I think Shane's supposed to care about, he doesn't care about, and then I think that he's supposed to be mad. I don't know. I, I can't get a read on what they're trying to do with him. I, I feel like maybe they've had multiple directions that they've been trying to figure out where they're going to go creatively because nothing makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I. Again, that's why I go back to the state of confusion with the fans. I just don't think they know how to react to this, and especially with Daniel Bryan turning heel. And Miz, I don't want to say is like in a, a baby face position, but I think people are like kind of lukewarm on Miz right now. This was just a very awkward segment, I thought, for the viewing audience. Well, you know what it is, is that uh, after, you know, starring in four Marine movies, the audience just sees him as Jake Carter. Natural baby face. Can't separate the fact from the fiction. Was that your way to bring up the fact that we talked to James Nunn, the director <laughs> of the Marine Six this week? Yes, it's coming out, uh, I believe, tomorrow. On the tomorrow, movie. yeah. 45-minute interview with James Nunn, the director of Marine 6, Glenn and I. It's our Thanksgiving side dish for you and your family. That And, and people it could be skeptical all they want of the WWE Studios films. <laughs> I thought that interview was fantastic. I thought the way he broke down how they make those movies, the challenges, the way they involve talent. I am more pumped than ever to see what WWE Studios does next. Yeah, look, I I really, really enjoyed the interview. I'm going to go back and watch more of these films now, and I highly encourage everyone to go out there and find them uh, or find this interview tomorrow because, yeah, I've played it for a couple couple people now to just be like, hey, you know, does this grab you? I've had people watch the Marine 6 because of this interview that I played with Glenn and I, and uh, and in general, it gave me more of an appreciation for Miz watching this movie, the Marine 6. I I actually liked the Miz more because of that movie. Um, Bringing me back to this segment here, again, you have two guys in the ring that the audience doesn't really know. Do they want to like these guys or do they want to boo these guys? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody loves Shane. Knows there was a dark match after SmackDown last night, which was the Miz versus Daniel Bryan. And the Miz was getting face reactions. The Miz after even thanked everybody for coming out four nights at the Staples Center. I mean. he's good. Yeah. He's like practically a good guy right now. You yeah, know, even, he, yeah. Even when Shane came out. He did that, like, he mocked Shane doing the Shane O'Shuffle, right? And everyone was like, ha, ha, how dumb is Shane McMahon? Oh, I like that Miz guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's very, very strange, very different. So this led to a match with the Bryant brothers. Uh, the Miz, Miz got pinned pretty easily. Now, who was it that pinned him? Everyone on Twitter was freaking out about this. That's Eli Everfly. Eli Everfly was last seen at Joey Janela's LA Confidential. He's regular with GCW. And Eli's been around for a long time, hasn't he, Justin? I don't know. I don't know him, unfortunately. I feel, like he's, I, feel like, I feel like he's had a, a hot minute or two here in the biz. But, uh, yeah, he's very popular amongst uh, uh, the IWC hardcore fans, especially if you follow the, the GCW stuff. Uh, he was known. Cool. Uh, well, before we continue, I want to take a break. Thank the sponsor of this episode, and that is NEFE. NEFE is the National Endowment for Financial Education, and they are promoting their blog, 
which is called On Your Own. There are thousands of financial blogs and websites out there, but how do you know what information to trust? On Your Own is a personal finance blog that provides free and unbiased information that anyone can understand. So whether you're starting out in the real world or just looking for a new financial beginning, On Your Own will be there as a helpful guide and your biggest supporter. On Your Own blog articles are written by personal finance experts from the National Endowment for Financial Education. The NEFE is the leading nonprofit national foundation dedicated to inspiring empowered financial decision-making for individuals and families. The On Your Own blog covers a wide variety of topics, including how to choose a credit card, how to start investing, and what to do if your identity is stolen. The blog only links to reputable resources that you can trust, so all of your personal finance questions can be answered on the blog or by one of their resources. Check out onyourown.org slash wrestlinginc that's wrestling INC to learn more. And this is a great free resource that will empower you to make better financial decisions. That's on your own.org slash wrestling Inc. INC. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Love having NEFV uh, do this outreach. I was checking out the blog. It is a great resource. I mean, stuff like understanding a 401k, the fine print of contracts. I'll tell you my finance. That. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. my finances have been up and down most of my adult life. And, uh, NEFE is actually a resource that I've used when trying to understand these complicated issues. I urge all of our listeners to check it out. And again, best of all, it's free on your own.org slash wrestling Inc. And we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in constant need of financial help. So I'm going to, you know, I need this. Yeah, I'll tell you, if you could only talk me out of buying like, you know, Funko Pop vinyls, where it's just like, ooh, there's a Trading Places collection. There's like three variants of Dan Aykroyd. I need to own them all. Well, you're not buying, you're investing That's in true. Funko, first of all. So it's yeah. true. God, when are we getting an official Funko Pop Becky Lynch? How has this not happened? Have we not had one yet? There's not been a Becky one. There's been uh God, there's been Asuka, Bailey, Sasha, Alexa. Um, a while, I mean, Ronda Rousey has one in UFC. She's got one coming out now for WWE. They only tend to do one woman, uh, wrestler in each sort of wave when they release them, but I'm shocked they have not done Becky so far. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I have uh, two Becky customs that actually made for my wife for last Christmas. Uh, but yeah, I think it would just be printing money. Funko and WWE get on it. Um, so last night, oh man, I can't believe we actually have to talk about this. The Thanksgiving feast fight, the new day versus the bar and big show, big E getting friendly with that Turkey. Yeah. That was the highlight of SmackDown for me was him licking that Turkey. <laughs> How about you, Justin? It's gotta be a record. New day has probably done more segments of the food in their career than, than any other WWE talent. I think it's like, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, and the thing is, Normally, when I would say somebody's pigeonholed to, to be the one that has to do the comedy with the food, you'd think their career is floundering. But yet, the New Day's got you know they're, they're surefire Hall of Famers. They've had you know an excellent career for the last five years. But whenever the food comes around, you, they're just automatic. I think they're in that stratosphere, and it's funny we were talking about this with the Miz earlier in a face turn. I think the, of people like the Miz and the New Day, they're almost more like WWE ambassadors at this point. And I think that gives them sort of protected high level status where they're going to be the ones that do these segments. Um, you know, they're good sports. They're up for anything. And because of that, like their position at the top is secure in perpetuity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, this is the kind of the reason they're going to be there for so long is when you're given something as ridiculous as a Thanksgiving feast fight, and you can go out there and make it a half interesting. They're going to keep you around. I do feel bad that they have been kind of pigeonholed in this spot though. I mean, for Kofi, Kofi's had a, a great long career, but guys like Xavier and Biggie, 
there's still a lot left in front of them that they can be accomplishing. And, you know, week by week, month by month, as you kind of keep them in this role, it stigmatizes them in a way with the fans. And uh, as much as I love the New Day, and I know they sell a lot of merchandise and stuff, I do have hopes that these guys will eventually break up and, and spawn off into different things. And this doesn't really make me feel like they're competitive wrestlers in the division, mm. you know? You know, the difference here is, though, they got that intro. I mean, think about when they had Gallows and Anderson do, like, the Halloween fight or uh, Rhino and Slater, I think, did Thanksgiving last year. Like, when you don't even get your entrance, when you don't get any mic time, I think there's a big difference between tossed in a suit and shoved out there to do something stupid or being the star of the segment the way New Day was. Yeah, and, and, and I get what Nick is saying. I, I certainly would like to see, you know, for as for ha- as long as the New Day has been together, I certainly would like to see, and I think they could still be the New Day. They could still be associated with each, with each other, but I think they could go off and have separate storylines. I think you could see Big E try to, you know, compete for a singles title and what have you. So as much as I want to see that, and I agree with what Nick's saying, I think there's also, we have to look at what the other side of the coin could be, which is, you know, if WWE did decide to say, okay, you guys are no longer going to be the traveling trio. We are going to try to like have you guys do separate stuff, maybe even put one of them or two of them on a different brand. You, know, you do worry. I look at how many other people we look at that you know the booking is inconsistent or get lost in the shuffle. So in some ways, it might be as long as they're the new day, as long as they're going out there dancing with cereal and pancakes and turkeys, they're protected. It's almost like they're they're in protected status. Where if you break them up, there's no guarantee of what could happen. Granted, I like to see them attempt one day. I especially like to see Big E trying to get a, a run because I think there's a lot of potential for a man of his size. But uh, you do have to worry. You know, be, we have to be aware of what we wish for with WWE that if they did break them up, who knows what could happen? Yeah, make it more of a stable than a tag team. And as much as we talk about keeping the New Day viable, uh, you know, you've got the bar and the Big Show over here. And the bar, Cesaro and Sheamus are intimidating men. The Big Show is an intimidating, gigantic guy. I don't understand why they are the group that has been paired up with the New Day. I mean, there could be something to be said about the New Day. Oh, they're cartoon characters. Oh, wacky slips and falls, big turkeys, you know, shots and stuff like that. I don't get that from the bar. I don't know why they are the ones that are being forced to go out there and do this stuff with the New Day. You're right. I mean, it really should have been Sanity. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Justin, I know that you're 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 friendly with Sheamus and all that. Do you know why these guys have been pushed more as a comedy act as opposed to uh, being treated like, you know, legit badasses, which they both are? I mean, I don't have a direct quote from him that I can that I can relay, but I but I, I think it's some some reasoning of you know like the, you know everybody. It's kind of like you know this goes across the board for everybody with WWE and Vince. Like, okay, yeah, we know that you're big, we know that you're a serious threat, but it's kind of like you know you, you got to be able to do you got to be you got to be complete. It's the same reason why they made Baron Corbin in this authority role because they said, okay, you're big, you've you've learned to work in the ring. You got to look, but you got to now. You got to get comfortable in the mic. We're going to put you out of your comfort zone. So, so we're going to have you start talking. So, I, I think, I think with Seamus and Cesaro, I think it's a case of they do it well. They have fun with each other. Um, yeah, we all know that they're both legit badasses and they're both very good in the ring. And they've had, well, Seamus more than Cesaro. They've had viable singles runs and title wins. Um, it, it's just kind of like it's it just it's casting. It's what it's what do they need right now? We have they have some other badasses in other places. So, you know, Seamus and Cesaro are, are you know. The reliable tag team again. They like each other legitimately. They travel with each other. They're good friends. They can pull some comedy off, so it gives you that com. You know, WWE is always going to have to have comedy in the show. So I, I, I think it's just a matter of you know, every, every nobody, you know, very few people, unless you're the Undertaker or Brock Lesnar, or there's very few people that are that are um, not subject to. You got to be willing to do a little bit of everything in WWE. Um, you know, nobody, you know, not, nothing, nothing's above anybody. I guess I just wish when the holidays came around, they didn't get distracted by the shiny thing in the room. <laughs> because I feel like I feel like it was literally just two months ago 
that we were raving about the SmackDown tag team division and how it was outshining the Raw tag team division. And Raw was all these comedy characters. And the SmackDown guys, man, they could go out there and have good matches and be realistic. These guys got derailed because somebody was like, hey, candy and turkeys, right? Like it's been from Halloween to Thanksgiving. And then there was the weird SmackDown 1000 in the middle. I don't know how quickly this division went from being one thing to being the thing that I saw last night. I, I, I just... I don't understand why if this is working, especially with like the rumors that Fox wants a more, you know, athletic oriented product. Why are we making these guys fall around in mashed potatoes? That is an interesting point. I'll be curious to see this time next year uh, when they are on Fox, if we still get these same shenanigans. Yeah, man. uh, Remember the bar wasn't a match Sunday where a guy wet his pants. We're the most dominant tag team in raw when the manager of that team wet his pants. Yeah, well, you know, P-Jokes. Oh, Jesus. We're, you know what I think part of it is? Sheamus and Cesaro sell that reaction, that dumbfounded reaction, very well. Yeah, like, I mean, they're, they're good straight men. And maybe that's the thing. is They, they need good straight men because the New Day are just so wacky and whimsical, and you need somebody to play off of them. It's just for me, you know, again, when I see it so clearly laid out in my head, that this vision was one thing two months ago. Now it is, yeah. it is a completely different thing. What happened in a two-month period where they said to themselves, man, this division is cooking. We've got some really interesting characters. People seem to be behind this tag division. How did they fall from grace so fast that they are now literally rolling around in gravy and corn? I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, thank God it wasn't the Usos. You know, that sure. would have fit their shtick. But where are the Usos, right? In the like, Uso Penitentiary. Great, thank you. Yeah, it is. You you bring up the Usos. The Usos New Day had like a series of great matches. Uh, The bar was in in that mix as well. I just, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's the holidays. I guess it's time to make everybody look stupid. I don't get it. (laughs) You know, like, I just don't understand that logic. Wouldn't you like to see a day in the life of Road Dog back there? And a lot of stuff he's trying to sell to people. And they're like, but why do we got to do it? He's like, Vince has this idea, man. You know, he's just... He loves he loves the Thanksgiving stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, New Day won that match, thanks to the interference. I think of uh, well, the turkey really got involved, really got involved in that match. Uh, they were building up Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio last night. We'll talk about that in the main event. But before that, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose versus Oscar Naomi, Naomi and Oscar matching more, coming across even more as a team while Sonya and Mandy drift apart. They're telling this story, man, in their own sweet time. I mean, was this even really a turn last night? It was just sort of more miscommunication where they weren't acting as a cohesive unit. Justin, are you excited for Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose feud, and will that even get TV time going forward? (laughs) Uh, I'm not excited for the feud. I am excited for Sonya Deville, um, a singles run, or if that's what we would call it here. I mean, I I think she's got a lot. I, I like... I like her. I like, you know, I like what I've seen. Granted, it hasn't been a lot, but I like what I've seen. I like the entrance when, when she gets a full entrance um, with the, the shadow boxing and the light on her. I, I just like, I like the look. A lot of things I like about her. So, um, you know, I am excited that maybe she's somewhere on the list of 2019 projects and priorities. How long that lasts, how well it goes <laughs> to be determined. Um, yeah, TV time. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, it, you know, probably the, the, again, look at how many shows, you know, monthly pay-per-views, Starcade specials. I mean, we, there's so much now. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll, it'll find a place somewhere. 
Yeah, and I mean, this is just gearing more towards the women's tag team division. That was really all that I took this as. You know, I don't know when they're going to launch it, but this just kind of seemed like more of a slow tease in the direction of establishing more women's tag units on SmackDown. Maybe a Christmas surprise this year. The least watched re- week of WWE programming. They said, we've heard you. We've been building to this for six months. Now you get a women's tag. But I think that, you know, you, you brighten up. You say this is the least watched time of the year. It doesn't need to be that way. The holidays traditionally, you know, years ago were some of the best times of the year for people to watch wrestling. You get the family together. You go to a show. You leave the day of Christmas, the day of Thanksgiving. That's what Survivor Series was. Nobody's got work. Theoretically, everybody should be capable of getting in front of a television. And That's watching why, SmackDown Live. Well, but look, if you're going to say, hey, you know what you're going to get if you turn into SmackDown Live? A bunch of people fall around and booed. Like, that doesn't really have a hook to me. You know, you had a hot tag division, right? You had some hot characters two months ago. I don't know, again, I'll bluntly say, why when the holidays come around, they, they decide, oh, let's make everybody look stupid. I don't get it, you know? So what's going on this year? I, uh Christmas is on a Monday, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day is on a Tuesday. Isn't one of the shows moving to Friday the week of? I know I can I know uh the New Year cuz New Year's Day is on a Tuesday, I think, right? Yeah. Um I know that SmackDown is being taped here in Pittsburgh the Saturday before. Interesting. That. So, yeah. People get some time off this year as opposed to last year. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yep. And that's, and that's the other thing, Nick. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if in. I don't know if it, if it's WWE saying, "Okay, let's go make them look stupid," or if it's if it is a holiday week, everybody just wants to get the hell off the road and home, and so it's like let's just let's just phone it in. Let's just write the easiest thing we can, which the easiest thing we can is stupid comedy. That's awful. I'm just right? telling you. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. I'm just telling you from their perspective, like. You know, it, whether it's we just want to get the hell out of here or whether it is, hey, we don't think there's going to be a lot, as many people watching this week. So, you know, we don't want to burn, you know, and do anything critical for a storyline. I mean, I, I'm just saying I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying from their perspective, that might be what it is. Everybody just wants to get the hell out. So let's just go do the, the, the let's go do the food fight and let's get, get it done with. I mean, hell, they they burn 35 minutes with Charlotte, which, again, she's probably the right person to burn the opening 35 minutes of considering what she came off of Sunday with. And I think we, as we all agree, we wish Becky would have been there, but I mean, you know, like I think it was just a matter of, okay, Becky, we get 30 minutes out of her food fight, get some out of there. Ray and Orton, two veterans. We'll get 15 minutes out of them. It was just, I think it's just a matter of just, just getting in and getting out. So this is interesting. Raw is getting Christmas Eve and new year's Eve off. They're going to pre-record those shows. I did not see anything about SmackDown pre-recording for Christmas day or new year's day. Doesn't mean it's not happening. I just did a quick Google search. That is interesting. Um, and that'll be post TLC. So it just it breaks my heart to hear Justin so so straightforward to say these people are phoning it in. Uh, <laughs> like why are we even reviewing? Well it's not like it's not like it's not like we haven't had enough it's not like we haven't had enough years just to accept it. I mean it is what it is. Hey, no and Nick, it's that attitude that almost got him a freelance gig with the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know, it is I guess for me. <laughs> Knowing what is possible, knowing where we were two months ago, I know you got thrown some curveballs with Becky and Roman. Some plans needed to change, but those can be looked at as setbacks or as opportunities. And sure. in, those, in those opportunities, when you have those gaps open up and you need people to fill them, that's when people traditionally step up and you can create interesting television. To take that opportunity and to just not do anything with it, to not truly create anybody to fill those gaps – Set yourself up 
for a headache here in a couple months, especially as we're now on the road to the Royal Rumble. Mania's on after that. I'm just not getting a real confident vibe from the direction WWE is going with right now. And I know this was a, a holiday show, but, you know, no pun intended, there was no meat to this Thanksgiving show. You know, as uh, Enzo Amore, or Enzo, so profoundly said at his Whiskey A Go-Go concert attended by 35 people the other night mm. when he hit the stage at midnight on a Monday, uh, there is no grabbing that brass ring because the system is set up in place to make it impossible. Yeah, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with knowing your spot and going out there and, and doing what you're told. I guess it's just for me if, you know, what you're getting to be doing being told to go out and do with some silly stuff that's not sending anybody anywhere. That's not a reflection of the talent. You know, again, that's a reflection of, of the creative end of it. And I, um, uh, yeah, I, I just think that that's, you know, again, I had somebody on Twitter cause I was saying that I'm really excited for Randy Orton, Ray Mysterio. I think there's a lot you can work with there. And somebody was like, Oh, well, Randy hasn't done anything since he got back. Randy Orton is a more confident, well-rounded performer now possibly that at any other point in his career, the fact he's not being given more stuff to go out and hit home runs with is not on Randy Orton. Glenn, is that a legit stat? There's only 35 people at his concert. It was something like that. It was bad. Did you, did you see the video? Wrestling Inc. has a link to the video and the, sh- and the stuff. I mean, we've talked about this. We talked about this Monday. I want him to succeed. I want him to have a comeback. I fear that is not what is happening. Uh, but yes, it was poorly attended. I watched the entire thing. It was. Uh, you want Enzo to have a comeback? I think okay, provided he is innocent of what he was accused of. We know the police didn't press charges, but if he is indeed innocent, and things suggest he is, I uh, sure I think wrestling is an industry that we love comebacks. We love to see people screw up, hit bottom, and come back and redeem themselves. Right? Not Enzo. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, if he was going to have a wrestling comeback, I think we'd see him work in indies and everything. But he's not even really doing that. He's he seems focused on this music career that's apparently thriving. So it's an interesting choice. As someone who listened to his album, I'll say that's an interesting choice that that's what he chose to focus on. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. Actually, I mean, the thing the thing is, with you know, like we, like I'm here in Pittsburgh, and we see this with uh with with well, he's going to be soon be former running back with Le'Veon Bell, and you know, the guy went, the guy you know was rapping and, and does rap music. Like whenever whenever you're if you're an Enzo Amore or Le'Veon or whoever, people only care that you're rapping because of what you actually because you are the wrestler because you are a football player. Once you're not that wrestler, once you're not that football player, they don't give a damn about your crappy mi- mixtape. So just stick with what made you. I agree with that to an extent. I think him and Cass would be very smart to go get on their hands and knees and call the impact for a job right now. Um, I think it would be hot. I think it would be good for impact. No, but here's the thing, Glenn. I get cleared of all the charges and all that type stuff or whatever, but this guy had a sitting uh, sexual assault case hanging over his head, did not tell his employer about it. He didn't know. His lawyer confirmed and the police confirmed that Enzo was not even told about this. I mean, that, that's confirmed. So that, that idea that it was because, oh, he hit it from the WWE, Enzo didn't know until we all knew. Justin, you buy that? Uh, I, I mean, I go back to, and I'm not trying to sound preachy, you know, not, none of us live, live perfect lives, but I go back to the whole, the guy shouldn't even got himself in the situation to where it even could have been alleged and accused. I mean, I don't know, just, it sounds like just the whole lifestyle situations and whatever people he was around and he got himself involved with was, Big mistake there. As it, I don't know. I don't know what I buy with this guy. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, if you look at his history in the WWE and what we've heard now about the backstage stuff, I don't think that's his biggest mistake. I think, I mean, sounds like he was making mistakes back 
in NXT. Like he almost got fired so many times for doing so many things. But I think that if he were humbled and decided to be professional, he's clearly got talent, especially on the mic, really only on the mic. But uh, yeah, but he's, he's sneaking in shows. He's like pretending to be people. He's trying to take a, attention away from the tag team division so that he can get himself over. I mean, are you really are you're 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 telling me you want to give this guy a second chance, Glenn? Uh, but I think he would have to have, a, as they say, a come to Jesus moment where he legitimately changes. His, this guy's uh, done. Destructive this guy's behavior. Done. This guy's done. He's destructive. He's bad for the business. He's bad for himself. I have no interest in Enzo yeah. coming back to WWE. Yeah, I feel like we'll see his mugshot on TMZ for something stupid eventually. Yeah. He was kicked off a plane for vaping. So yeah, he's a, he's he's a dick. He's an he's an ass. I mean, I don't want to you know curse too much around the show, but he's garbage. I have no interest in Enzo. Hmm. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. This week, it's interesting. It's interesting that even uh, in Survivor Series week for our business and what we do in online, how much attention he's gotten with the stunt. It's, I don't know. There's something about him that maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe part but of that's, it is that's that why, but that's why, but that's, why that's why he's a dick. I shouldn't be watching Survivor Series and talking about Enzo, right? Hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. funny. Yeah, I, I'd love to see. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure the Office of Pain, Seamus Cesaro, and Big Show really appreciated uh yeah, the time really is him distracting from them. The whole thing is just crazy. Actually, I urge people go back to listen to Monday's podcast. Uh, Matt Morgan told a story when he went to SmackDown after he was dropped in 2005. Randy Orton comped him seats in the front facing the camera and was egging him on to do something. And now Matt Morgan is so thankful he did not do that. <laughs> what he was planning to do. So, you know, I love the idea there was Randy Orton, though, being like, dude, come on, you got to disrupt shit, you know, make stuff happen. No, I mean it's one. It's it's one thing if the performers are in on it. If you're just showing up and trying to make a scene and distract from the action at hand, you're just a dick, and I don't want you back. You're done to me. You're garbage. That was, that was also, I believe, the time frame where, uh, where where Randy Orton, admittedly, wasn't in the most uh, mature and best judgment of, of days either. So, yeah, good good thing that Morgan didn't listen to him. Yeah. Who knows? There, there could have been someone. I actually, it'd be funny uh, to find. I'm sure we'll hear more. Uh, what, what have you heard backstage? Uh, I, I've actually enjoyed hearing the backstage comments to the Enzo thing and people being, you know, so happy the security guard tackled him. Um, just all of it. I find it fascinating. Like I can't look away from from this story. Uh, anyhow, uh, I'm sure this is the last week we'll be talking about Enzo for quite some time. Don't be surprised. I thought that I was going to have to talk about a Alberto Del Rio and Paige. One time, I talked about them for nearly eight straight months, and it burned me out as a person. And I stopped podcasting for a little while because of that. <laughs> because of that. Yeah, man. When every day it's like the news is about, oh, you know, they got into a fight. Oh, he hit her. Oh, they're doing drugs or whatever. It's not fun for me. You know, that's not the part of the wrestling business I want to be covering. Yeah, I showed who, up, here, you know, to cover. Who do you, who do you like better, Enzo or Alberto? Oh, 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 Sophie's choice here with you, Justin Lavar. Uh, I would have to. Who do you want to sit next to on a plane? <laughs> who would I rather sit next to on a plane? I don't really? know. Del Rio, if he just wouldn't talk to me. I mean, I feel like Enzo, Enzo <laughs> wouldn't have the kindness Del, to do that. Del Rio, if he's not vaping? I, I don't I don't know if Del I mean, I bet Del I don't know. Maybe he doesn't vape. I don't know. But uh, if I would if I had, I would just rather than neither of them talk to me if we're sitting next to each other in an airplane. Um, but uh, I mean, at least Del Rio, like he's starting a restaurant. He's running an MMA promotion. You know, he's 
he's he's stupid too. I don't even want to try. They're both garbage. I don't have any. I don't have an affinity for either. Okay, but here's the real question, Nick. Who would you rather be this week? Enzo Amore, just uh, James Ellsworth, or convicted <laughs> bank robber Nick Gage? Oh, Nick Gage! Nick Gage See? did his time. Nick Gage hey. was convicted, came out, did his time. Had a wonderful bout at Joey Janela's LA Confidential with David Arquette that will be talked about for generations. And hey, it's just a bank robbery, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Here's the thing: is I think you think I know you think this is really funny, Glenn. But if we ever brought <laughs> Nick Gage on, or I had you interview him, you would not be so confident to be making these jokes. I'm not making a that. joke about it, and I actually issued a statement about this Nick Cage. Nick Gage's story. <laughs> Okay, Nick Gage's story, that was a low point in his life, a low point in his battle uh, addiction, an act of desperation. It, it kind of goes further to my point where why he has a career now and is able to work again, because one, he has paid his debt to society. Two, it wasn't a, now yes, there was a threat of implied violence, but it was not a violent act. And it was something that he did at a very low point in his life and he showed nothing but remorse for it. So no, I have the utmost respect for Nick Gage um and and what he has been through and gone well, through why, why would you lump him in with enzo and ellsworth then like no, that's a no-brainer like it's a callback obviously there's like a subliminal thing up there where you're like oh these two are awful people well nick gage is also an awful person because no the, nick point, gage... the argument we were having last week about how bank robbery is i don't want to say an acceptable crime but you can bounce back from that you can bounce back from most crimes if you do the time uh but uh that's not true. Uh, <laughs> said, weeks in a row. <laughs> Burchest! Burchest! Don't My say Burchest! My man, I... don't say Burchest! Don't say Burchest! It is weird they stopped doing that the week after. Well, Somebody saw that clip. Tell him to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Do you think Arquette... Well, I know we're going to maybe talk about Arquette here in news. Actually, we don't have a ton of time left. But do you, do you think Arquette gets a rumble spot? Should I can see that? Yeah, I, I, I honestly a little surprised he didn't pop up uh, when they were in LA doing four nights of shows, front row, something. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So after Oscar and Naomi won that match, man, that was a segue. Um. After they won that match, we had Daniel Bryan come out, and it was it was the oxygen. The oxygen turned him heel. I saw that tweet. That was funny. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. It's very uh, heady. It's a thinker, right? Like, you got to think about why Daniel Bryan is as mean as he is now. Yeah. It was kind of like rambling, and he's got the great crazy eyes and the facial expression. I mean, he, he, looked, he looked like the disheveled guy that's rambling outside the liquor store asking for your last bit of change. You know, like, I don't know. It was, I mean, I, I, I actually like this Daniel. I actually, um, this Daniel Bryan does excite me. I think, you know, Good old fashioned good guy, baby face, yes chant. Dana Bryan was kind of, you know, we, we've we've certainly ran the course of it. So I I, I like this bizarre uh, off the deep end kind of Dana Bryan that we're getting. Yeah, it's different. You know, I loved when he came out, teased the yes, and then was like no, and then he did his little spin on the catwalk down the entrance ramp. Uh, you know, I I thought it, I thought it was good. I think it was a little rambly. Again, it's like a thinker. Like, I don't know if most wrestling fans, especially kids, are going to really get why Daniel Bryan is a bad guy now, is my worry. Yeah, but he's got that look in his eye where you can tell he's having a lot of fun with this. And I think that that is going to make this a very good run. He's also, he's also probably the first wrestler in a while to effectively use 
the pejorative the new to uh, recreate his character, right? He's the new Daniel Bryan now is how he was announced. Um, traditionally, new rockers, new blackjacks. These have not been successful gimmicks. Yeah, we'll see if they keep uh, that going in terms of how they build them. But I enjoyed the heck out of this promo last night. I thought it was good. I think they'll keep it going. He was he made sure he was announced as the new yeah. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. While looking like the old Kurt Cobain. That's true. And I hope that we get a whole lot of parody shirts where it's like, you know, Daniel Bryan, New Coke, or wait, what was it, Pepsi Clear? I don't know, just like uh, Both different things. Pro- products that were new with Daniel Bryan. New eyes. Agreed. Uh, He's going to be facing AJ Styles at TLC. Rematch for the WWE Championship. Think uh, there'll be a table, a ladder, or a chair in that match? I would hope so. Yeah, it seems like a good match for a ladder match, I would think. Uh, I feel like every year they do less and less of the gimmick at TLC. Maybe, yeah, I, that, I mean, I guess because you got Braun and Cor- Corbin, they're doing the tables match now, right? Is that the only match that's been announced? Did they say tables match for that? Oh, I didn't know there was tables. Yeah, because Braun got to pick the stipulation. I'm pretty sure he picked tables oh. on Monday night. Am I wrong? Did I just hear this? Am I, did I, I didn't know I, that for sure, but I did Here, I'll check on the internet. The internet has the answers. Yeah, I, I do, Glenn, like you said, though, I do think that like, it feels like less and less, like we'll get like less and less TLC matches at a TLC. It's weird. Uh, it's going to be a TL and C match for Braun versus Baron. So there you have it. Um, but yeah. Oh, did you already look it up? I did on the Wikipedia. Uh, Braun okay. versus Baron. And uh, no stipulation added for Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. It's just a rematch for the championship. Uh, Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton was the main event last night. Oh, there were no piercings for Randy Orton to manhandle. Uh, so instead he went for Ray's mask. I love the RKO spot. That yeah, was cool. Uh, yeah, this wasn't a long match. There was like maybe four minutes of action before they got to the part where Randy was just beating on Ray and, and going after that mask. Um, I, I like these two together. I Randy really physically dominated Ray here, though. I was surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... These are two guys that I really wonder, like what, um, like what, like what would their WrestleMania role be? You know what I mean? Like they're just they're they're just reliable veterans who've accomplished everything. I'll really be interested to see like what the they kind of fit right now and in, in this this time of the year again. We're trying to fill time and get around holidays, but I'll be really curious like what the big plan is if there is a plan for them like around WrestleMania. Well, and and where does this go from here? I would think Rey Mysterio's got to find some way to level the playing field with Randy Orton. I don't know. Does he bring it back up? I, I don't know what he's going to have to do to be able to, you know, square off against Randy Orton, who, again, just, like, physically dominated this man. Yeah. I'm always wary when they build something as uh, the first time in 12 years. It's just it's always kind of code for, like, we got nothing else this week. Trying to get you excited about this. Um, I think a real competitive match against them would be awesome. But I think with Randy, the mask thing, it was too much like Jeff Hardy's ear. I just think they lean too heavily on these sight gimmicks, you know? Oh, there's nothing. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with picking something and going after it. I mean, it's going after the leg, going after the arm, you know, going after an ear piercing, going after the, going after the mask. You know, it, it's just, it's just a hook. 
you know, and it's something to get these two going. I think that the mask is a great place to start. It's something that I think these two, I mean, these two may have even done before. Uh, where they go beyond it is what I'm more intrigued by. We saw the masking tonight. Again, it was the physical dominance of Randy Orton over Rey Mysterio that had me on the hook of how is this – less than, oh, he's upset about the mask, but more how is Rey Mysterio going to be able to ha- handle a guy like this? What is he going to have to do to be able to level that playing field? Yeah. Uh, spot of the match, Rey Mysterio sliding outside of the ring right into an RKO outside the ring. Uh, Randy did get him back in the ring, hit him with the RKO, and Randy won the match. So if this is the start of a feud – Decent opening. Um, it really depends on what they do from here. Yeah, agreed. Weird SmackDown last night. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It was a very weird SmackDown. You know, but looking back, you know, you're they're planting the seeds here with some stuff. I thought, you know, the Charlotte energy, the attitude, I'm willing to, to let her grow into that. I think there's something about two um, very passionate, angry, aggressive, gray area characters like Charlotte and Becky sharing space. I think there's a lot you can do there. I don't, it, was it uh, an A-plus segment there with her and the Iconics at the top? No, but it did leave me wanting to see a little bit more. I wanted to see a little bit more of Orton and Mysterio after this. Um, I did not want to see any more of Shane and Miz after this. That was just weird. Uh, why did they have Eli Everfly? Did we ever talk about how, why... Eli Everfly pinned Miz clean? That was a bizarre choice, in my opinion. Well, Miz, this baby face turn now, man. Sympathy. Is that what, is that, Justin, do you agree with that? Do you think that's what's going to lead to Miz baby face? No, if anything, that, that's what you'd think would happen to a Miz heel. Would that, you know, he'd get cocky and then the, the no-name little guy rolls him up. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And then he would get real angry at Shane, who would theoretically be the baby face authority character and would go back and forth with a, with a heel Miz, but it was just maybe, screwy. Maybe Everfly is the new James Ellsworth regular underdog they're going to keep around, minus the <laughs> pictures <laughs> allegation. <laughs> Jesus. I don't think anyone wants to be the new James Ellsworth anymore. No, but it was funny because I was watching it with, with my girlfriend last night, and she was like, hey, have any of these jobbers ever gone on to <laughs> become anything? And I was like, yeah, Ellsworth. And she's like, oh, so I, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they do want a, a likable underdog. But um, I don't know why his buddy was out there, his tag team partner. Um, feel bad that he's he's the Marty Jannetty of this situation. <laughs> so there's a Shawn Michaels in this situation? <laughs> yeah, Eli Everfly would be the Shawn Michaels in this situation, Justin. Poor Shawn Michaels. Oh, good Lord. Um, I think there's a lot of indie fans out there that would be like, Justin... An Eli Everfly Shawn Michaels match is much would be much better than you are giving it credit right now. I'm sure there, I'm sure it would be if they had proper time to tell a story. Sure, um, Braun Strowman, his elbow is legit hurt. He's getting uh, surgery. Hopefully, yeah, he'll so, be back by TLC. That's what the Observer is saying. Cite your sources, Glenn. Um, okay. The Abrasive Observer reported that yeah, Braun Strowman's got bone spurs in his elbow. He's going in for surgery. Uh, TLC match touch and go. So we don't even know if he's going to actually be able to pull off this Baron Corbin match, but it does look like he's, uh, on track to, uh, take on, uh, Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know when the injury started or when, when, I don't know what point he realized that he was going to need you know, surgery, but it, it makes me wonder, is this, did this have the, did this have something to do with why Brock Lesnar won it at crown jewel and not Braun Strowman? Yeah. You know, in retrospect, now looking back on it, uh, 
there is seems to be a couple you know there's this the elbow thing there's the bad knees report there was also uh the the backstage attitude i think that was all from uh, observer i think uh reports from Meltzer. there's a lot of stuff going against Braun right now um i'm kind of you know I, i'm upset about it because i think there's a lot of money to be having Braun. but if you're not gonna be able to invest in this guy i, I will say i think it is interesting that lars sullivan is now being promoted on both shows, Raw and SmackDown. They haven't said when he's coming in. And if your big bad Braun Strowman is big bad beat up and incapable of being that top guy and is maybe going to be more in that Andre role of working without a title mm. and helping to get guys over, a big monster on top who can work and is able to go out there and uh, roll with the guys like AJ Styles or whatever would be Lars Sullivan, who, unlike Braun Strowman, did do a successful run down in NXT, learned how to work with those guys, learned how to become a base god. Um, you know, I, I think that it's interesting that Lars Sullivan right now is getting the hype that he is with all of these reports about Braun Strowman also coming out at the same time. Has uh, Dean Ambrose chimed in yet on what God is punishing Braun Strowman for with this uh, injury? That was the most tasteless. I just, I... <sighs> I'm glad I ever do SmackDown, and I and I hate and it was not a great SmackDown, but man, Raw left such a bad taste in my mouth. That line, oh, it was terrible. The Steph dismemberment line, uh, it's just, you know, I, I know to the casual fan who's not like a journalist or into politics or anything, it's just like whatever. I'm just trying to enjoy the show. But to people that are a little bit more astute, I mean, it came across to me like direct pot shots and, quite frankly, bullying and intimidation to those that would dare challenge them because they could thumb their nose at them and do whatever tasteless garbage mm. they want and take a dollar. Yes. Did you guys watch uh, the Dean Ambrose Chronicle on the network? No. Not yet. It's a weird mix of uh, some reality, and it gets very kayfabe at the end. But if that was not entirely kayfabe, get that man some therapy and antidepressants. Um, it was very dark for a WWE behind-the-scenes documentary. Like, I felt seriously just sort of depressed and down and angry by the end of it. Yeah. I can say, I can say this. I, I think he is one of those guys who like really, really kind of lives like very rarely will, will you get to see him off. Like he's always a little bit in character and on. I mean, you know, like, you know, Nick, I know you, you've, you've interviewed dozens and dozens of guys. I, I remember doing the first time I did an interview with Dean Ambrose. It was a phone interview. And you know, like these guys, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of weave in and out of character sometimes depending on what their character is and what they're trying to promote. But at some point you usually get like the real, like they'll, they'll drop a little bit. They'll, they'll, they'll break a little bit. I mean, he was the whole, and it was tough cause you're on the phone. So I can't, I, I can't see him. And like, I couldn't, I never knew when to start my questioning or stop because like he had no rhythm to his speech. He, he, he sounded bo- like, if, if, if it was, if, if he wasn't Dean Ambrose, the character, you'd think he was drunk. Um, he was just very like all over the place. His answers are all over the place. But then I, I, I kind of dug around and some other wasn't. That's just kind of like, that's just kind of like him. I think he just done, does that shtick kind of like how the Miz is always the Miz. Um, and it's probably only Mike Mizanin when no cameras and no around. I mean, I, I think, that's, I think that's the situation with Ambrose. I think he's just, he kind of always keeps himself in character. Yeah. I think that he's, you know, I think he's just a, I, I, I don't know, metal kid, punk rock kid, anti, anti-establishment anti kind of kid. You know, a couple of years ago at WrestleMania, I was uh, uh, lucky enough, fortunate enough, I don't know, to, to come across the cops, the people that he had comped for WrestleMania, his friends that he had personally invited to the show. And uh, they were an eclectic 
bunch. They were a uh, non. They were not. <laughs> they were not suits and ties guys. They were mm. a pretty nitty gritty, uh, hard partying uh, crew of guys. And uh, you know, those were his friends. And, and I had a good time getting to meet him and everything. But they were not uh, lighthearted, uh, merry prankster types. They were pretty. They were pretty dark. And uh, that was the closest insight I'd ever gotten to kind of his circle. And I thought it was very telling that, you know, he hangs out with tough, dark men. And that doesn't surprise me. And he married a ray of sunshine. I know he, I know he likes Jack Daniels. I remember I, I was sitting at the bar one night and Renee Young's next to me. And he was on his way into, into the city from a, a separate city for, from doing a house show. And uh, she she ordered her last drink to to get ready to to I think to go meet him and to then they could go upstairs and, and call tonight. And she ordered she ordered a, a triple Jack for him and took it up to the room. I was like, well, like that's that's certainly the way to finish finish the day after uh, after three hour drive or whatever he was doing. This mm-hmm. turn, this run, I mean, it could go to keep going to some dark places. I liked when they played him a little more smart alecky, disheveled. When they played it for laughs, uh, when he was a mean uh, heel champ before. Um, but yeah, that Chronicle, like it's, it's weird for me to, to watch sub. I mean, I'll say everything the WWE puts out normally makes you feel inspired, makes you feel sad, then uplifted, makes you, you know, feel sort of optimistic about life. This was a very weird piece of WWE programming in that it just kind of like made you feel morose and then made you feel somehow worse by the end of it. And, and here's the thing is I, are we talking about raw? Are we talking about yeah, raw? Yeah, right no, now? but it all ties in because Chronicle was like an extension of that. Yeah, well, and with Raw 2, with the line about Roman, the thing that really upset me, and I had a couple people be like, oh, well, they had no problem bringing up Natty's dad. Look, Natalia is, it was her father. And if she wanted to run that, and after three weeks of whatever dumb hype, she beats Ruby Riot and gets a pop, and they roll into the Total Divas season finale, guess what? I'm okay with it. What I'm not okay with is for Dean Ambrose to come out and say, Roman Reigns got cancer because of his allegiances to the Shield, because guess what? There are a lot of little kids out there, make-a-wish kids, that are dealing with an actual life-threatening situation right now that were S.H.I.E.L.D. fans. And I think it is disgusting for a child to sit there and think, do I have cancer because I supported Roman Reigns in the S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I don't think I'm overstepping when I say something like that. And so it is one thing to play in your sandbox of what you think is acceptable. It is another thing to jump outside of that and say something that could affect so many people. I thought it was tasteless, tactless, and it was in line with a lot of the other stuff I heard on Raw on Monday night. Jesus, Nick, now I'm worried about how God's going to smite me for saying I hope Enzo Amore has a comeback. It's just like, man, a fandom can get you punished, you know? Well, look, again, think through your thoughts. Nobody takes responsibility for their actions and words anymore. You think Mm. you can just say or do anything you want, and it's just okay. I'm sorry. I'm an Eagle Scout in the Boy Scouts of America. I was brought up a certain way where I have certain things that I know are right and wrong. And going out there and saying something so classless and tactless is what Dean Ambrose said on Monday night is wrong. I did think the thing about the smell given the fires. I didn't bring this up Monday. Like, I know what it's like in Northern California with the air quality right now. I understand Southern California is much the same. I thought that was a little weird. I'm surprised I didn't get more shit for that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, what are we doing here? Right? Yeah. You know, Randy, Randy Orton went out there, told a menacing, cut a menacing 60-second promo on Rey Mysterio about a mask. Which was fine for me. Put a little heat on the bout, went into it. Randy Orton acts like a bad guy. He does bad things, right? You don't need to go outside and say these horribly offensive things to try to get heat. 
If anything, it makes me want to – it doesn't make me more interested in Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. It makes me feel sad that these guys are being involved in a storyline where they have to say such terrible things. It takes me out of that action. Yeah, and it's just, it's just weird. It's just not good. I mean, maybe that's where you and I differ a little bit, Nick. I think artistically you can cross almost any line if you can make it funny, clever, entertaining, impactful, relevant. For Dude, me, it's, it's about the Glenn, art. I, I yeah. performed at Second City, Improv Olympic, the Annoyance Theater. I was trained by some of the best comic teachers on the planet. Mm-hmm. I have done blue shows. I know where that line is. I get what you're saying. I get it. But that is not what they did here. They did yeah. not playfully, in a fun way, step into something. Well, yeah, it was it was uh, like a cheap heat sort of thing. It was just sort of like, we're just going to mention it. And the fact that we mentioned it, people will be like, oh, you know? Cheap heat is when you go out and call somebody in the front row fat. All right? Mm-hmm. That is what cheap heat is. This was go away heat. This was, no, this was, nobody was any more hooked onto this feud because of what you just said. It was a stupid thing that should have just never been said. Yeah. Uh, WWE this week. Uh, David Arquette almost died over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Could have died. Uh, in a bout death match, coincidentally enough, with uh, the previously mentioned Nicholas Gage. And Arquette made a commentary on it, taking responsibility, saying he was in over his head, and that him uh, puncturing, I guess, his neck was entirely his fault. And uh, he wanted this experience but he realized perhaps the death match, not for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've seen different, you know, opinions about this. I mean, David Arquette, you know, has wanted to go out there, try to grow as a wrestling performer. He had this chance to go out there and have a death match with one of the, you know, most scary men on the planet. He got in over his head, moved too fast, cut his throat. He's done. You know, I know Hurricane Shane Helms uh, tweeted out that, uh, he thought it was irresponsible on GCW to put somebody out there who wasn't prepared to have a bout like this. I can see that point. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are countless instances of guys on the independent saying, I can do something that they've never done before. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I firmly put that in, uh, in this position here. Yeah, I mean, the match was well-received. People seem to have a lot of respect for David Arquette for going through, finishing it, going the distance, and then owning up afterwards that any uh, danger was something that he put himself in entirely his fault. I think he comes out ahead in this. Uh, I don't know how much further he wants to go with this wrestling career um, after that perhaps near-death experience, but I think he comes out looking like a million bucks and earning the respect of everyone. Yeah, I think uh, I mean I think it was good by him to put out the statement and take some some ownership or responsibility. I mean, you know, what we have to remember, and you know, I, we talked about him last week as he was just here doing a show with us uh, two weeks ago, and I, and I said, you know, he was very humble. He's very he's very much still like a like a wrestling rookie. You know, he doesn't have you know all these years and miles on the road and in the business. You know, he was picking, you know, he was listening to advice from Tommy Dreamers and some of the veterans that were around. And so I think you know he he's a guy who's in a situation of he's still like a rookie. But yet he's getting booked like a main eventer because he's David yeah. Arquette and because he's a draw. So, you know, I think there's some, I think there's some responsibility to promotion. Say, okay, like is this guy ready? Does he know what he's doing to be put in this kind of a match? You know, and then uh, part of it is on David. Part of it is on David having to recognize and say, uh, you know, I'm not quite, you know, I'm, so I, I think it was good that he put the statement out there. Just kind of like, you know, took some ownership of it. Said, you know, this was dangerous. All the respect to it, but I'm, I'm not going to be doing it again. Um, and this, you know, this, 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 this will probably at least now let him know where his range, his range is to stay, 
you know, with, you know, not to say they can't have like a good match, not to say that it's going to take him away from like trying to actually have good solid matches, but remind him that he's, he's probably best to stay more in the comedy side of things and, and, and be the guy from ready to rumble rather than trying to be, you know, new Jack. That's all he has to do. David Arquette, come out there, say a couple funny things, act all big and tough, take a couple bumps. I mean, I respect the guy, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I respect him for the fact that he was willing to, like, you know, he that he wants to try to make this not just a comedy, but he wants to try to be somewhat legitimate and have, you know, he he wants a match against a Cody Rhodes. Like, you got to respect him for that. Absolutely. You know, he just has to remember, and it was good that he made the statement that he's he's still at the level of a rookie, basically, and but he's getting main event type treatment in terms of booking requests, so he has to balance that. Yeah, and you know, uh, guys like Big Foley will tell you, you know, if you're uncomfortable doing something, don't do it. You know, uh, there were plenty of spots that I turned down. Uh, I could have had a DDT from Jake Roberts. Didn't do it. Not because I was scared of the DDT, but I hate snakes, and they wanted to put the snake on me afterwards. Uh, I didn't take a didn't take a gore from Rhino through a table in the corner because I'm very inept mobily, and I thought that I'd stab myself on a piece of wood. So I said no to that. Know your limits. If you're one of those guys that's going to say yes, which Mick Foley was, and Mick Foley went out and got hurt all the time because he was saying yes to stuff that he didn't know if he could do or not, uh, I, I squarely put David Arquette in the same camp. Yeah. I mean, thank God uh, it all turned out okay and it did not have more tragic consequences. Uh, Dana White says he wants John Jones to face Daniel Cormier next. What's up with that? Uh, it was a, I think it was a Team Z interview, um, and yeah, it's just a change of pace here. As you know, it was obviously the big rumor bout was Brock, uh, Daniel Cormier. Uh, I don't know if that bout's going to happen now. I mean, if they really backed up the Brinks money truck to Brock Lesnar after Crown Jewel, uh, who knows how his commitments could have changed? I mean, do you think a UFC fight still on the horizon, Justin? I mean, I think so. He's been training for it. You could tell when we saw him in Survivor Series, he looks a little bit more leaner than he, than he has. Um... I mean, he seems pretty damn committed to doing UFC, uh, but he's also pretty damn committed to taking WWE money. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and you know what? Maybe maybe it's not Cormier Lesnar. Maybe it's Lesnar somebody else. You know, I'm not saying that Lesnar's not going to have a UFC fight. It just maybe the it sounds like at least from what Dana's saying, they may be shifting gears a little bit as far as where they're going to take the next Cormier fight. Yeah. Uh, have you guys heard any more word about how long Brock is around for this time? Uh, the last I've heard was at least through Mania. Uh, it sounds like that was the, the last bet I'd heard. So. Yeah, same. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, anything else? Anything else we want to cover, speculate, talk about? <sighs> no. Don't like... throw center blocks at people's heads. You Jesus Christ. That. I like, how so- I like how somebody upped the ante from Arquette nearly bleeding out from getting stabbed in the throat. It's like, no, no, no. Hold my beer. Right, you know, Ugh. dummies. This world of wrestling, man. That's not even wrestling. Yeah. No, no, that's not. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I will say I'll plug Glenn and I. Yes, tomorrow on the Winkley, we talked to James Nunn, the director of the Marine Six. It was a very fun interview. I think you guys will like it. And on the same show, uh, I'll also have MLW's Court Bauer. Uh, and I get court to touch on a lot of MLW's expansion plans for 2019 and uh, pepper him with a couple other inside baseball questions that I don't think he was really uh, prepared oh. for. So I think you guys will like that one as well. Yeah, one note, watch the Marine 6 and preferably the Marine 5 before you listen to this interview tomorrow. There is a big spoiler that we discuss at length about the Marine 6. And he didn't want to talk about it. I, I firmly got the vibe 
we were the first people he no one to. is talking about it like no one have you noticed that like even Corey graves when he was like going on and on about it you, like people are referencing this movie a lot but i don't think uh you know it's, it's interesting even people that have seen it are not really talking about that element of it and i think it's worth talking about it's like the sixth sense man like you can't blow that you yeah. can't blow what happens at the end of the marine six yeah and we we talk on there a little speculation about the marine seven yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we just so you know, Glenn, we have two posts coming out uh, from with uh, excerpts. First is him commenting on the big spoiler, which is yeah. a weird headline for me to write, which was like, "Marine Six director talks about giant spoiler at the end of the movie." <laughs> so, like, I hope if you don't want to have that spoiled. Uh, but then, yes, we also wrote up uh, his pitch for the Marine Seven. So, which we we chimed in a little on that. I feel like we helped develop it. Mm-hmm. And we also include some bits in there about. Uh, Sean Michaels and his hair, which will also be written up for the site. So, uh, that should be our goal, Nick. That should be the 2019 goal: is that we should uh, work to to write and pitch a WWE Studios film. I, look, dude, I'm on, I'm kind of on the hook about just doing a podcast covering every WWE Studios. Film. But that should be the goal. We should break them down and reverse engineer them to be like at the end of this journey, we're going to pitch the WWE Studios on a project. I'm down. I'm 100% down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to crack the formula. So, yes. Uh, subscribe to Wrestling Nick Audio tomorrow, Thanksgiving. After you finish eating, sit down, listen to me, Glenn, chat with James Nunn. Uh, I'll talk to Court Bauer. And I've also got Jesse Collins on uh, doing the news of the week with me. So, great show tomorrow. And uh, I'm Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Justin, what do you want to plug? I'll also have a podcast tomorrow, tomorrow morning, my Wrestling Reality podcast. So in addition to listening to you guys, uh, to keep uh, to keep the day full uh, while you're eating your turkey, you can listen to Wrestling Reality. I'll talk more about everything going on, some of which we touched on, some of which we didn't. Uh, follow me at Justin Labar. Have a happy Thanksgiving to everybody in the U.S. Awesome. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Find me on Twitter at Glenn Rubenstein. Uh, after tomorrow, I'm out for a little bit, going on a little vacation. But uh, I'll be back. Uh, stay tuned. We'll have some great fill-in Host Formula, I'm gone, and uh, see you next time when I'm back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, everyone. Take care.